Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Hey everybody, this is Guys with Bibles. I'm Sean. I'm Scott. And I'm Lee. And tonight we are talking about the Spurge. Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. Our boy. What was that thing? What was that thing you quote you uh, posted today that uh Jeremy Lee got all bent out of shape about? Oh, somebody had written that oh, uh Oh, that um he's, it, he, he's the last Puritan. Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. In the in the Valley of Vision, it it says that uh, like in the introduction, it uh, says that um, that Spurgeon could be considered like the last of the Puritans. Oh, I bet that just irritated him. Yeah, yeah. It says right here the Puritan movement was a religious phenomenon of the 16th and 17th centuries, yet its influence continued at least to the time of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Oh, who may be regarded as the last of the great Puritans. Capital P. That's so funny. <laughs> he, I think we need he, to have an episode with Jeremy where we talk about his uh, his Puritans. issues with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He yeah. Said, have him come on and talk about actual Puritans in his opinion. Be like, John Knox was the founder. <laughs> <laughs> he would he would start twitching. <laughs> He'd probably come he through the microphone. Either. He'd be like, I'm going to choke each and every one of you. This, this is happening. We're going to reach out. Yeah, he We're going to make me, this episode happen. He, he, thanked, he thanked me for being an irritant, and I said it was my spiritual gift. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be everybody's spiritual gift. So, so today on Charles Haddon Spurgeon, um, he was born June 19th in 1834. Um, and he died January 31st of 1892. Um, he was a Baptist preacher. Uh, he, he remains um, very influential among Christians in various denominations. Um, he was also known as what was called the Prince of Preachers. Um, he was definitely a very strong figure in the Reformed Baptist tradition, um, defending the church in agreement with the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. Yeah, um, and he he Woo. opposed the liberal and pragmatic theological tendencies in the church of his day, and um, and I opposed so, the liberal tendencies of the church in my day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's there very are plenty quotable, of those. Very, very quotable. Um, his his writing is just 
impeccable. I mean, you can just get lost in his, the way he just flows with his writing. Um, he does a lot of, uh, like in his sermons, if, you, if you've ever went through a lot of his sermons, he speaks on, um, on about the ocean and in boats and sea and I mean he, the vastness of the sea, the depths of the sea, and also I mean, things he, that that would really, be com- they'd be common to his audience too, things that his right, audience right. would understand. Yeah, so I, I mean, when you dive into Spurgeon, he is a totally different um, writer, preacher, um, influential person than any of the others that you can dive into. Um, he just has that particular um, tenacity that about him, you know, that you're just like, you gravitate to. You're like, this guy, he packs punches, and he is solid. Um, yeah, I always liked, I always liked uh, when you read his uh, sermons, I, I have the set, well, I have the set of lost sermons and uh, the ten volume set of his his sermons, the older set, and uh, the illustrations he uses in his sermons are are just amazing. You know, we, forget. Yeah, we just right. We don't have illustrations like that today. No, you know? people don't people don't preach like that anymore. Unfortunately, right, right. unfortunately, we all have smartphones, and that's all we look at all day long. So, I mean, our illustration is really looking at a bye bye smartphone, you know, it's, it's like nothing compared to what they had to go through when they were being martyred. Um, Spurgeon specifically, he was during uh, a racial era as well, and he, he quoted one time, he, uh, he said, I'm not here to preach to the skin, I'm here to preach to the heart. So, whether you're black, white, blue, green, or yellow. Yeah, but that wouldn't make him care. woke. Right. And, and that was very controversial to um, the Southern Baptists. Um, and then it began, and I think he wrote um, a letter. I can't remember. Sword and... The Sword and the uh, Trowel. Sword and the Trowel. Yep, that's it. Um, wrote, wrote also a great his, podcast from Founders Ministries. Right, right. <laughs> he wrote this, and it, it became an, an uproar, um, which eventually led to the SBC dropping him. Um, and also, they well, and got rid they of especially did, his college altogether. Too. Yeah, they especially didn't like him because at that time, majority of the people in the SBC were slaveholders, and he You're was right. very opposed to uh, slavery. Pretty much, I mean, his entire ministry basically, and uh, spoke openly against it when he came to the states at one time, and made a lot of enemies among the. Uh, um, the pro-slavery church at the time, right? And, the, and like now, you said, they—they, they, um, I don't know that they burned his books in the street or anything like that, but they restricted the sale of his books and talked him down, right. and and that kind they, of thing. Something happened to his college too. I can't remember um, offhand. I think uh, I think just like funding was restricted or something like that. Was it? Yeah, I couldn't remember. But yes, his college was named after himself. Um, he was married to uh, Susanna Spurgeon. Um, she was born in October 22nd of 1903. No, 1903. No, that's Thomas Thompson. Sorry. But um, Charles 
and Thomas Spurgeon were twins, and they were born in 1856. That's all and she was an extraordinary woman uh, in her own right. In fact, there, there's right. been a book, I think it's a recent book, uh, a biography of, her, of Susanna. I think she helped him write some of his books. Uh, she might have done some of the dictation of his or taking dictation of his sermons because he didn't he didn't use manuscripts. So the sermons that we have, if you just buy a volume of Spurgeon's sermons, that's because either I think either Susanna or I think he had an assistant also that would sit as he preached and write down what he said word for word. Right. And um, Charles Spurgeon, he also struggled from depression. Um, Hugely. If, if, you guys, if you guys remember, um, his church caught on fire, and uh, everyone evacuated, and many, many of the congregants got stomped and trampled and died. Yeah, um, In, inside and, the uh, church building on the way. Yeah, on the and way out. He, he really took that um, pretty harshly, and... He, he became very depressed. Um, he said that he would he was stuck in bed for over a year. Um, and uh, the one the one verse that really just drug him out was John 13:15 you know though you may slay me, I will place my hope in him and um, he just oh I don't, I don't know how he got out of it. I mean speaking from struggling from depression. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely something that's totally different. I remember um, there was a quote, I, I don't know where he wrote it, but he said that he was trying to describe the feeling of his depression and that he said, I, uh, it's a very strange thing for a man. I'm paraphrasing this terribly, but it's like, it's a strange thing for a man to be sitting and to begin weeping and to not have any idea over what he was weeping. He right. said I, he said that he would just cry and have nothing in his mind that would cause him to cry. It was just, it just came out, and he didn't. Right. There was no reason for it. Yeah, luckily mine was caused by a surgery, so <laughs> I didn't have anyone. <laughs> the knife gave church. it to you. Right. Uh, an interesting story um, of his life no, that I, I really like is. No. <laughs> anyway. Go on. Um, his conversion is pretty interesting and funny. Actually, I always like uh, conversion stories. Yeah, wasn't but, uh, he? Wasn't he Anglican? Uh, well, I he grew up just kind of like yeah, generically Christian. Um, his his family was kind of well to do. Uh, they were church going people, but yeah, they, I think they were just kind of like nondescript Anglican, like and, nominal. Just by name only kind of thing? Kind of. I mean, they, they like, you know, kept the Sabbath at home and all t- taught the Ten Commandments and this kind oh, of stuff. Okay. But it, it really wasn't like... He, I don't, he was never really hit with the gospel uh, as a child. But he, I he hit my somehow kids with the gospel every day. You should. And you should keep doing it. Um, but he, he had a, a deep sense of his sin... Even at that time, that even if even when he did everything right, he still felt that he was a, a sinner. And so, one Sunday morning in uh, eighteen fifty, it was a winter morning, so it was snowy. Uh, he had intended to go um, on a journey, 
and he had to cut it short because of the weather, and he wound up going to a primitive, primitive Methodist chapel for a Sunday service in Colchester in England. And it just so happened that the weather was so terrible that day, the, even the minister didn't come to church. He'd been snowed in. So they had like a lay preacher from the congregation get up and preach. And he was not a good preacher at all. And his text was um, Isaiah forty-five twenty-two, which in the ESV is, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. And he basically, to make a long story short, he basically just stood up there and repeated that verse over and over and over again. And, <laughs> or, or he'd say, young man, look to Jesus Christ. Look, look, look. You have, nothing, you have nothing to do but to look and live. And him doing that, uh, finally, it, the Spirit used that to break through Spurgeon's heart, and uh, he became a believer that Sunday. Yeah, another great book of his is The Soul Winners. Oh, man, I love that book. Um, yeah, that book of his in Prayer and Spiritual Warfare is probably like one of my favorites of his. Um, I I enjoy all of grace. Yeah, that was my first foray into Spurgeon was all of grace. Really, you and can't go wrong with any Spurgeon. The thing yeah. about all of grace is, I think you can get that for free. Like if you just go out to like the iBook store or whatever and search Charles Spurgeon, it should be out there because I think it's in the public domain. Because that's oh, how yeah. I read it. I read it for free on my phone. Basically, I was in college. I was gonna say I think. You can get it on like Kindle for if you pay for it, it's like ninety nine cents or something like that. So, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm more of a I can't read stuff on my phone or tablet or whatever. Yeah, you're I an old to. man, dude. I have to have the book. You gotta get with you the time, Scott. E reader, get on that e ink. Um, can't do it. You've never tried. Gotta have, that, gotta have that book in hand and. The smell of the pages. I was going to say, I'm a book sniffer. I got to smell the book. Break that glue in the spine. Yeah. Here it just creased. Unless it's a premium Bible, then there's nothing to break in the spine. It already just... <laughs> is, it just it's, flops over. It's just perfect. Yeah. I, I uh, find, another I thing about Spurgeon, Spurgeon is... Uh, you shut this, him <laughs> <laughs> Fight! <laughs> Finish him! Um, what I was going to say was that, uh, it's interesting because there's so many people who are, uh, pro expository preaching who highly esteem Spurgeon, but Spurgeon really was not an expository preacher. So he's the prince of preachers, but he was very much like, um, kind of topical, kind of mainly getting to the context of a certain passage, but he yes. but he never preached all the way through books the way that a, an expository preacher would today, like John MacArthur or uh, John right. Piper. Uh, and yeah, it's, I, I it's, think it's uh, interesting that, that so many expository preachers would hold him up as a great example of a great preacher when he never preached that way. Right. right. Yeah, and I like how he says, like, to preach through Ecclesiastes, do not do it verse by verse. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like oh okay yeah. i i just read that recently in my mcshane reading and i can agree with him there there would be some real easy ways to misinterpret that thing if you 
only go verse right. by and verse. I, and I, I think, I think he's correct. I think there's some books in the Bible that I don't think you can really preach verse by verse. Some need the full context of what is going on, you know, that way. And then you mine what's ever in there out of it, bring it to the light and reveal it. That way people can understand what they're, what is really going on in this, in the story. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy too. How, um, I have his morning and evening devotional. No, you don't. Oh, the yes, best devotional. Well, I don't. I would say Valley of Vision is the best devotional, but is it a devotional? Oswald Chambers. It's a devotional no. slash prayer book. What? What were you going to say, Scott? Say it to my face. <laughs> you read Sarah Young every day. Yeah, G- Jesus is calling me, man. Jesus calling. Oswald Chambers could disappear from the shelves of any Christian bookstore uh, tomorrow, and I would be happy. I agree. I so agree. Do you have, have you heard? Um, um, oh shoot. Um, it's a uh, banned books. They're out. I yeah. started Oswald listening Chambers. the other day, and I di- I didn't make it through the episode because I was I got drawn into something and didn't get to finish. It is so amazing. They just totally destroy. <laughs> He's he's more law than anything. It's it's not good. I'm like this is great. Anyway, back to my devotional. Yeah, back to morning and evening. <laughs> um, it's nighttime. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I've is. never really considered Valley of Vision as a devotional. It is kinda. Hmm. Interesting. Then um, I guess it, then I guess it's tied for best devotional. You're you're devotional, but it's just the the verses that are in there, like you know, for a random day, it might be the most mundane verse that really has no like meat to it at all. And then when you read what he wrote about that verse, what he pulls out of that verse is amazing. It really is true. He's able to pull a lot of, and of course, again, this goes back to him being very contextual in good with cross references because he can take, like you said, those mundane verses from, from the middle of, I don't know, numbers or Kings or whatever, something that's just like a very like plain description of something that's happened and cross reference it with something and make it totally glorious and uh, gospel filled. It's pretty incredible actually. Right. Well, I mean the guy, he, his library was insane. The dude had, the biggest library, and I mean, gorgeous library. He had desks, I mean, at, uh, and I think a lot of his books... And he was a speed reader. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of his books are here in the United States. Um, at John Knox Seminary, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. There was some, there's been a lot of, of handoffs of that, of his library. Right, um, Midwestern, I think, had them. Midwestern Seminary had them at one time, but I think they've been handed off since then too. Yeah, I can't. I'm, don't quote me on that. I he, think that's where Spurgeon that's Spurgeon read six books a week, and when he was in the pulpit, he openly said that when he was in the pulpit, he he would have nine thoughts going through his head at any one time, and he would just pick the best of them and go with it. Like he's <laughs> he was just great. a genius, just an absolute genius. Like like me. Right. If I had nine thoughts going through my head, that none of them would be worthwhile, and they would make me angry and a, and a worse communicator. 
Right. I'd, yeah. I'd have nine thoughts in my head, and none of them pertain to what we'd be talking about. <laughs> Like, All mine would be sinful thoughts. <laughs> seven, probably. seven of mine would be about food. Yeah, yeah. What's for lunch? Like when I'm at work and it's like eight in the morning, I'm thinking about what I'm going to make for dinner all day. <laughs> Does that help get you through? Yeah. Nice. All I've been thinking about is mushrooms all day. Oh, people! Morels. If you, d- oh, morel mushrooms. Yeah. If. If you're not from, I don't know if they grow all over, if it's just like in this part of the country, but if you don't know what a morel mushroom is, you haven't lived. Right. Yes. The moral to you the have story not is lived. they're delicious. Now, uh, I, uh, Scott, did you mention earlier about the downgrade controversy? Yes. Okay, good, good. Because that was, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Because uh, I think that that is a huge part. Not only like what he taught, or what what he wrote about when it came to the to the downgrade and his his kind of send off about the rise of unitarianism and other other forms of liberalism at the time and then the impact that it had on him personally to be so publicly denounced and uh, and hated during that time. I think that's probably one of the one of the more important aspects of him uh, that that should be remembered among people today. Right. Because there's a tendency in the church that you know the pastors should be um, should be winsome and saying what needs to be said to get people to come to church and and feel like they belong and but you know that's not our the, job that's that's not the job of a pastor unfortunately right. he's to shepherd the sheep and dismiss the goats mm-hmm. so I mean it's very it's very difficult when. Christians today, they, they think that they need to be comforted um, when they come. They need to feel wanted or needed or, you know, like they're supposed to be there, you know, and, and, it, and you are. But in a, in a sense, you're not there to, you know, make the pastor happy. You're not there for the pastor to make you happy. Um, you're there to hear the Word of God, and the Word of mm-hmm. God will reveal to you your deepest and darkest sins, and it makes you feel disgusting, you know, and you don't feel like the greatest person in the world, but um, it, this isn't this isn't a cotton candy festival where we're going to water it down just so people enjoy the sermon, you know. Yeah, I think... Uh especially nowadays, people want the church and they want worship not to be something other than your normal life. They want it They want it to be like the world and it shouldn't be like the world. It should be, you know, opposite against the world. Right. Against it should sin. be like Christ. Yep. Yeah, and, and they, they want it to resemble all their creature comforts that, that, you know, they have at home. They, they want their loud music. I sound like an old person. They want their loud music and their, they want all those drums. Yeah. But the, you know, they want, they want all this contemporary music, which I'm fine with. Um, I guess we know Scott uh, is. in a sense, as long as it's theologically sound. Right. You know, right. Like Hillsong United, go kill yourself. No, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Come on. Well, 
and a big, I think a, a big point to draw from Spurgeon's life too, if we want to talk about mega churches and attractionalism, uh, felt needs and all that stuff, Spurgeon was a mega church pastor, even at that time, you know, when he was pastoring, uh, Park Street Chapel, I believe, Park yeah, Street I Chapel. Yeah, was like, what, 5,000? Yeah, he was, he was drawing so many people, they had to go to like a music arena, uh, for him to for him to preach, and he wasn't he wasn't handing out cotton candy at the door, you know they they weren't um, people weren't you know greeting you in the parking lot and showing you where to park, um, they weren't doing door prizes, you know the weird stuff like that that these attractional churches do today. He was you didn't have he was, to go in the lobby and buy tickets. Yeah 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 you didn't the there service. there wasn't a built in coffee break in the middle of the service or anything like that. He he preached the word. They operated under the regulative principle so that the things that they did at the church were the things that are uh, that are regulated in Scripture for the church to do when they gather to worship. Uh, they followed that to a T. He preached the Word, and it the Word does attract the people that it attracts. Right. You don't have to play games. You just tell the truth according to the Scriptures, and people will hear, believe, and, and join. Right. And that's what happened with him, and I and it very much happens so in the same way today. So yeah, and I mean, so many pastors today, they're not letting the word do the work. You know, no, nope. they're trying. You to, barely hear the word from their pulpits, right? They'd rather hear their own words, and hopefully instead, you get Ed Young crowd. with his fake face building a a basketball <laughs> court. On e- for just, what's was that Easter Sunday? No, no, no. It was March. No. It was during March Madness. Yeah. So, so you waste your time uh, pretending to play basketball while you quote unquote preach. It's disgusting. Right. It's all. It's all to gravitate attention nowadays. And who can have the largest church and who can have the most um, donations that 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 year to build on to their church and their mega church. Who can have the best helicopter egg drop? Right. I think I need a new jet, you know, and God told me I need a new jet. Um, Blasphemy! Yeah, exactly. And I think think the gospel today, in today's day and age, is being used as a a get-rich-quick program, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's just taking advantage of so many people out there, and, I mean, so many are being led astray unfortunately and they're not they're not hearing the gospel they're hearing bits and pieces but it's more man-centered man-filtered gospel you know in order to attract yeah. a population um, which and that and that's not what attracts the right population and that's right. not what keeps them at your church and and that's not that's not people People are worried that, well, everyone needs to come to church. Well, yeah, everyone does need to come to church, but not everyone will come to church. Those no. who And not all churches are worth coming to. Right. And I mean, it's not that God came to save the entire world. God came to save the people that he chose, you know, his chosen people. Um, so, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, it, hell wasn't that's, just that's created pre- just... For looks, I mean, hell is created for those who rebel and are rebellious against God and will be eternally punished and set apart eternally from God. So, we, I mean, it's just we just got to figure out 
that church isn't going to be for everybody, you know. It's not there for a public publicity stunt or an entertainment facade. Uh, it's, it's there to worship God, and his people will come and hear that word. Right. What were you going to say, Sean? I don't remember. <laughs> I got caught up in the beautiful words that came out of Scott's mouth. Milk and honey. <laughs> Uh, interesting fact, you mentioned uh, Park Street. <laughs> Take my strong hand. Um, what was it? Uh, Park Street Chapel, you mentioned uh-huh. that. I believe Benjamin Keach uh, pastored that before Spurgeon. Keach the Peach. He did. Which uh, Keach... Uh, Probably the most popular of the Baptist catechisms was written by Keach. Catechesis for the win. I don't believe. But uh, <laughs> Spurgeon did one too. Okay. We learned. Yeah, I found it on Amazon. It was like four dollars. No, it had didn't. a terrible cover. Yeah, it did. That was one of the ugliest I covers did. I've ever seen. I didn't buy it. It's ninety nine cents on Kindle. Kindle. The binding never breaks on a Kindle book. No. Oh, and when Spurgeon, it was only four years after his conversion that he entered the pastorate at uh, Park Street Chapel. Yeah, he was 20 years old. Yeah, he was was a youngin. But he'd already preached like hundreds of times, not hundreds, but maybe like a hundred some times before he even took that pastorate. Like, he'd been preaching yeah. since he was, like, a young teenager. Because I believe he was 15 when he was converted. Yeah, I think that's right. Incredible guy. There's a good uh, biography of him you can get from uh, Ligonier. Uh, oh, man, who wrote it? Mm, I don't know. I'll, I'll link to it. Does anybody else have any final thoughts on Spurgeon? Uh, he was a wonderful preacher, prince of preachers. Um my favorite preacher, and I believe he was the only, he's been the only Baptist that we've talked about so far, correct? That is correct. Yeah, and we haven't really talked about how he used to smoke a cigar at the pulpit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The cigar. He loved his cigars. The dude, I mean, I'm glad he grew a beard later. Oh, my goodness, yes. I tell you what, he was an ugly child. Him without the beard was a terrible phase. Oh, man. I'm so glad he grew a beard. It just, By God's grace, he grew a beard. Yes. He willed it. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's all I got. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, if anybody... <laughs> uh, well, anybody yeah. who's looking out there cruising the internet, you can find us on guyswithbibles.com. You can find, you can read the blogs there and uh, also listen to audio of the podcast if you don't subscribe to podcasts. And if you do, you can find us on iTunes or Google Play, Overcast, Pocket Casts, whatever podcatcher you use. Um, Subscribe, leave us a honest five-star review. 
then social media. Uh, go to Facebook, search Guys with Bibles, and ask to join. We will approve you and uh, bring you into the conversation. Uh, then you can also search for us on Twitter at Guys with Bibles. Uh, same handle on Instagram as well. And you can also email us directly at guyswbibles at gmail.com. That's true. That's true. Well, we're guys with Bibles and we're out. <laughs> <laughs>